0: me to be on stage it's like i'm consciously aware of how fortunate i am and and i think that's where the smile comes from and (laughs) everything because i'm on stage i'm thinking wow my whole life all i wanted to do was play music and that's what i'm doing
1: Hey y'all and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickloff, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host who happens to be my wife as well.
2: Hey guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five, we're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose.
1: Welcome to Guild Stories. Cool. So today's story is super incredible. We're joined today by a man who was, I think, man, like born to make people smile. He's an entertainer. He's a singer. He's a musician, a storyteller, a tap dancer. Uh, he's a true legend in the music scene. And we are like super, super, super honored to. Be in his presence for this time. Uh, Lonnie McFadden joins us today. Lonnie, your rep- reputation precedes you, man, and we're honored to spend some time with you. So, welcome to the show.
0: Wow. I don't, <laughs> uh, maybe you ought to turn it off now. I don't know if, if it's going to get any better than that. But thank <laughs> you for, for the kind words. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> okay.
2: Lonnie, we're so excited to be with you today. I, I think we're going to smile and laugh a lot.
0: Uh, I, we, we, we might laugh a little bit. <laughs>
2: Can you give our listeners a quick intro? Who are you? Where did you grow up? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, I am. I'm from here in Kansas City. I born and raised here. Went to Lincoln High School. Um, then I I joined a, a a popular top forty band here in Kansas City and traveled. And then uh, came back, started my own band. Then we traveled more and. And then later on, after that band broke up, my brother and I went back to where we started, which was tap dancing, and we, and that, that was the birth of the the McFadden brothers, so to speak. And then, then we did that until, oh my God! Well, we we still do that every now and then as the McFadden brothers. But I'm mainly out here doing a solo act now.
3: Very cool.
1: That's awesome. So, for those that that maybe aren't from KC, um. Kind of give us like walk us back to those early days, like the jazz scene, and I think your family was kind of one of the pillars in that whole mix. Like walk us kind of all the way back. I mean, even you know, as we were prepping for this conversation, it's like pops, right? Like pops okay. mean something in, in the community.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, we're going going. I was going, going way to back. back. Yeah, <laughs> Let's go going going way versus, back, man. Yeah. Well, I do what I do because he did the things he did. That's 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 a very honest statement. I uh, okay. I grew up listening to all the stories because my father had retired from tap dancing when he was raising us. But he used to perform with Count Basie, Jay McShann. He even performed. This is something I just found. I got some scrapbooks over there that I'm just starting to go through all this old stuff. Awesome. But he used to even perform with Benny Moulton. Which is that's the beginning of Kansas City jazz. That's before Count Basie and Jay McShan. That's, that's so the three, the three pillars. When you think of big bands that that created Kansas City jazz, my father has performed with all of them. He knew them, so he knew all these great jazz musicians. So I grew up hearing about Dinah Washington, who was my mom and dad's personal friend. Charlie Parker was our. My, I, okay, I'll tell you one brief story about <laughs> no, Charlie Parker that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be brief, man. We else, got all day. Nobody else knows unless they know my dad. It, it's like when my father was dating my mom. He used to have he used to have this convertible and uh everybody knew Charlie Parker would be in the park practicing back back then it was it was called they used to call it Purcell Park. That's what we call Parade Park now. Okay. And, yeah. and so and and all the guys in the hood back then it was like between 18th Street and Twelfth Street, you know, in that in that yeah. section, what we call the j- Anyway, he 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 uh, was getting ready to go pick up my mom, and uh, he stopped by and and picked up Charlie Parker while he was out there practicing. Because him and Bird were real good friends. Jeez. So you so here's I mean, and I I love this every time I think about it because my dad man he was he was always an entertainer. I'm pretty <laughs> quiet during the day. My dad was always on. And and so, so here here you got a guy riding around in a convertible with Charlie Parker playing in the back seat and his girlfriend in the front, and they right. right. And so and, you know, and and I used to hear about all this kind of stuff, these these things like this that my dad used to do, you know, because. He, he was just that kind of guy, and and all of his friends used to tease him about that. When I was growing up, they, you know, the old guys they get together and be on the porch drinking beer and talking. Hey, Jimmy, you remember? And so I heard that that story about the Charlie Parker thing quite a bit because they 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 used to shake their heads and say, "Oh man, Jimmy." <laughs> 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 but okay, so that's awesome. That's it. So when I was growing up, I grew up in in the time of like the Beatles and James Brown and all that. So we had, my my brother and I, we wanted to listen to that. But I was always, always hearing Dinah Washington, uh, Nat Cole, Count Basie, Earl Garner, uh, Charlie Parker. That's the stuff that my mom and dad would be listening to. And they had all these stories. So mind you, growing up like that, I had no idea how great Charlie Parker really was. I thought this was just a friend, that's of your friend buddy, of dad's. Yes. 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 It's yeah, It's dad's, dad's of, boy, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, daddy. That's, that's his boy, yeah. So you know, I I had no idea how great these guys were. Even when I um, I started playing the trumpet at at ten years old, and my father. That's when he started pulling out a lot of records of Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, all this kind of stuff, so we could get get aware of what what the real deal is and i knew that i liked the way charlie parker played and i knew that ronald just was trying to to emulate every note that he hit uh, on his saxophone but
2: and ronald's your brother ronald's my brother yeah
0: yeah is he younger
1: or older than than you
0: i'm not
2: gonna tell you (laughs) (laughs) you got it got it got it that means younger
0: Ouch, okay, Brooke.
1: She keeps it honest, man. It's all right,
0: but she's right. Ronald's younger than me, and and uh, so when we were growing up, um, I and this is something that I try to talk about on stage a lot because I don't know if the people here in Kansas City really realize how rich our jazz heritage is and how important it is to to our identity when you talk worldwide and when i go to japan when i go to paris when i go uh anywhere uh iceland it doesn't matter if you mention you're from kansas city you know i would imagine most people here think well we got the chiefs we got the yeah we got the chiefs and we got the royals but the hardened soul of kansas city is the jazz mm-hmm without without question. When and and I, I, I'm so thankful that my father told me all these stories because the first time that Ronald and I went to Europe, especially Paris, more so than any place, they would have been telling me about my neighborhood and about my wow. history because they didn't teach it in school. They didn't teach you know, like I I guess by the time I went to high school they started talk they started teaching uh, African American history, or whatever, when I was going to school, it wasn't none of that. Mm. And so it's like my father was my educator as far as the history, as far as Kansas City. He would drive us around, and all these places were torn down, of course, but he told us about the Cherry Blossom and the Grand Terrace in Chicago, and the, and he told us about the Reno Club. And the Hey Hey Club and all these places that he used to play it with with Count Basie and stuff. And like I said, like I told Crazy. you guys, I'm starting to go through all these old scrapbooks. And, and it's, oh, it's, it's awesome, really, man! It's really pretty cool. But that that's how I grew up. I grew up listening to jazz and stuff, and listening to the music of my time, which is probably why. I mean, you guys have seen me. I I'm. I'm all over the place musically. I'll play something by Frank Sinatra, then I'll do something by Marvin Gaye. You know, <laughs> you know but that's who I—that's really who I am. You know.
2: Would you go watch your dad perform?
0: My father had retired from performing by the time that he was the raising point. us. What happened is he wanted us to to know what that life was about. So he taught us how to tap dance at a very early age. The first time that I actually performed, I performed. My father still had connections with different booking agents around here, and he booked us on our first our first paying job. I was seven years old, and he booked wow. us at at this event that was at the Mule Bach Hotel downtown. And so yeah. that was my first paying gig, and that that ignited everything for me. I mean, we had my mom because my mom, oh God, she was <laughs> she was a perfect stage mom. I mean, I I think about how she had us dressed up in these. These tuxedo jackets that had sequins, like, come on the, it on, man! Go, oh man, we <laughs> did just, she on. make this for you? <laughs> no, and, that, and that's the, okay. Ronald used to talk about this from the stage. She bought this at Penner's Menswear. That's how. <laughs> and so and that that's that, that's another story altogether. <laughs> I mean, the, no, she bought those at Penner's Menswear. <laughs> that's great. Wow. And it 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 it, it, it wasn't sequins. It was like this gold shiny kind of material, like almost like iridescent, but it was real shiny. Amazing. And these big big buttons on. It was double. Oh, it was it was perfect for stage. I couldn't yeah. imagine who else was buying it, but but but. <laughs> as a
2: seven-year-old were you scared were you nervous or was it immediate i love this
0: both I was scared I was nervous and i loved it because I got paid I mean <laughs> like <laughs> like what
1: like, what'd you do you remember what'd you get paid like what did you get paid
0: fifteen dollars amazing fifteen dollars wow. i was seven years old and this is back in the 60s and i made fifteen dollars and back then what you know, what we used to do different guys in the neighborhood when you seven, eight well, I guess when I was about ten years old, I started doing this. I started cutting people's grass and back then sure. it wasn't like it is. Now now, I mean, the guy I pay about forty, fifty dollars to get my grass. back then the we were making like two dollars or three dollars per yard and so we get three or four yards and, and and on a Saturday and Life's great. Life's yeah. great. Right, so after right. I working all day I'd have ten bucks, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But what I did this gig with my father, we did ten minutes, and I had fifteen dollars. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. And people are clapping, and they're (laughs) excited. They loved us. And um, yeah, so so, between his stories about the old days and being on the road, and you know, some of this, if you know, I think of it now, it seems like this should have deterred me because he told he didn't he didn't have the best. Uh-huh. He, he he told us stories about one time they were uh performing on a show with this guy that they befriended but he was a junkie
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so one day it, they came home and all of their clothes had been pawned all of them all of them they had and so they looking for this guy in chicago and they they and so they had to go out and uh get Close at the pawn shop some kind of way, and to do the gig that night, Jeez. and get new tap shoes and every because he had he cleaned them out, and so and they told us about getting stranded in uh in uh it's either Detroit or Philly someplace up east. They used to travel all 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 up east, and uh and and uh. Just living off of peanuts and Pepsi Cola till they could get their next gig, and so
2: he didn't spare you the hardships of not, what this industry was like.
0: And I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. I mean, him telling the stories in my in a child's, I mean, to me that was like, oh my god! Sign peanuts me up. Sounds fun. Yes, sign up. Where peanuts Pepsi, bro. Let's go. Peanuts and Pepsi Cola. <laughs> I'm in. So, um, so uh, I I always wanted to do this, and. And I guess the the defining moment came for me when I was about, um, when I was sixteen. Actually, there, it's a, it's one that's kind of defining, and I'll back up to that. But the defining moment for me was when I was sixteen years old. I uh, I got a chance to be with this band, Clad and her. They were they were all grown, and they chose me. They they needed a trumpet player. Their trumpet player had had quit. And uh, they had heard about me some kind of, you know, the the inner city back then. Everybody, I don't know how my name got out. I really don't because I was just playing at Lincoln High School. But but uh, it wasn't
1: YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, there you go. Right. You know, because
0: exactly. I'm glad you said that because I know a lot of listeners now. They think, well, he probably, they maybe saw a clip on YouTube. <laughs> but no, <laughs> if there was no YouTube, there was no cell phones. It there was were, word of mouth. Word of mouth. And so... Uh, Anyway, they heard about me and they they uh, came to my house to audition me and f- come to find out it was this guy I knew anyway. I knew him. I just didn't know he was the clad of clad him and her. I didn't know that was him. And uh, he he, listened, he was surprised to know that that was me that they were talking about. And anyway, I did the audition, got with them. And what happened, I used to play baseball. And I had gotten pretty good as a picture because, mind you, again, I grew up in the inner city, so everybody's just going for it. There was back then; it wasn't nearly as it, three two league and all. It wasn't that right, organized right. kind of thing with ten and under, twelve and other. He's you played, played baseball. Played in the, you played baseball. So if you ten years old, you might be playing with somebody seventeen, somebody sixteen, and that you know. But that's that's the way just it was. Way it was. Yeah. And so by the time I'd got sixteen from playing with older guys. At, all my life, I got pretty good. I mean that's that's what happens, you know, and and as a pitcher, I could do things that most sixteen year olds couldn't do. I'd learn how to make the ball dance, you know, and usually uh when you're growing up, they tell you don't do that because it your your uh arms and ligaments and or whatever you call it, tendons yeah, and things yeah. haven't developed enough to be doing that kind of stuff where I was so for some reason, this this coach out in Overland Park, They there was a traveling team out in Overland Park, and again, it was very segregated back then. So mm. so this wasn't happening. This guy, he had heard about me, and he wanted to, to see me. So he came to our baseball practice where we. by then we were in an actual league <laughs> we were, <laughs> where, where the 16-year-olds played with 16 and under, and then the 18 and under. I was in a real league by then, and and uh so he he him and this group of guys were standing behind the catcher and and i could just hear him saying wow look at that what you know i because i didn't know if they were going to choose me i i was just it's just another day playing baseball to me yeah and they just wanted to see me pitch doing my warm-ups and and they they asked me about different balls and i you know a, a, <laughs> give it to him yeah i give it to him a knuckleball a knuckleball curve a slider and i and i was thumping i was and but i wasn't the only one that could do that in my neighborhood but i was the one they heard about and so i'm doing all this and then they liked me they mm. they were talking to my parents about me coming out to Overland park practicing with them and they said we do a little traveling and so this was the fork in the road for me because I just got with this band, Clad and Him and Her, and I and realized you're 16, sixteen at this point. 16 years, old, sixteen years old. Yeah, and so I realized that I'm going to have to make a decision uh-huh. here. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't be a good enough baseball player to play with these guys and and do it part time. I'm going to have to really take this all the way. It was just yeah. fun. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. I I got good at it because it was fun. So you do it every day, and same thing with music. I got to a certain point because I liked it and I did it every day. Now it's time to I get have two serious. Choices. Yeah. yeah, it's and so I quit playing baseball and and uh, that was that was the beginning of me me committing to playing the trumpet because school was getting start in about three months, and I didn't go. Hmm. I went on the road with these wow. guys. Really? So, yeah.
2: And your parents were for this. They said, "Yep." They, do
0: it. they. They understood that I I had three siblings, just four of us. But they understood that, for me, it was the right choice. Mm -hmm. And they were right. I I think about that now, if my parents would have stopped me, I would have probably been in a lot of trouble. See, I grew up in a really rough neighborhood. And uh, most of the people that I grew up with...
2: Not here today.
0: Not here today. Mm. Not here today.
2: So and music, so, in a sense, and entertaining saved you.
0: It did. It mm. it truly did, and because you know I I was at that age where I was starting to to be, you know when you're 16 that's an interesting time in any anybody's life. For sure. But when you are in the inner city, and you got drugs and you got gangs and and violence and things like that around you. It's interesting in other ways because you you know things. Ca- I mean, I saw a lot a lot of things happen at Lincoln High School that that you know it was it was interesting place. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> was, and some kids was, don't
2: have the choice. Do I choose music? Do I choose baseball? I'm they yeah. don't they don't have the opportunity. So, what do you choose? You choose what's there.
0: That's it. That's it. And so with you you're absolutely right. And so with me it was it was the best choice for me and i and i mean i think it's a testament to it the fact that even today i'm still doing i still yeah. get up every day and i practice and and i think my parents saw my commitment they saw how i was you know because i got with cladden and, and her maybe in uh uh april or may so it was still school year was in but every day i this is my first time after school Clyde would come and pick me up, and I'd go, and he'd take me out to his house, and I would practice every day after school uh, to about 9 at night, so from about 4 to 9 every night, and then he'd bring me home, and I'd get up, go to school the next day, and do the same thing. This went on every week until I got good enough for them to start, and so I started doing gigs with them, and and I I was still practicing because this this the it was the reason they were as good as they were. They, sure, we used to practice every day, and uh, and so so much and so that one time because I was playing the wrong. I never had any teachers. I taught. I'm basically a self taught trumpet. Really? Player. So with with trumpet more so than most instruments, it's it's a lot of things you can bad habits you can do that will de- be detrimental to your your uh, career. And so I was practicing with them, and I was not used to playing that much, you know. Yeah, at school, I, I, you figure music class is what forty-five minutes. It takes fifteen minutes just for the teacher to get everybody quiet, and you know, you first walk in the first fifteen minutes, everybody's blowing and running around, you know, horse playing and stuff. And then the teacher get so you got maybe
2: thirty minutes to practice,
0: at tops, yeah, thirty minutes tops. And so now I went from that to four hours a day. Yeah, right. Wow. I blew up. And one day with I woke up with professionals, that's it, yeah. with people that that are precise. I was used to kind of, sort of getting the song, but Clyde was like, ba ba-ba. And you had to hit it. like. And we would practice to, uh, the whole horn section was hitting it, and ba ba until all of us hit it cuz his whole thing was like awesome. like we have to sound like one instrument. Mm. Were
2: you ever intimidated yeah. as a 16-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> yes I was. I don't know if I would have shown up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes I was. I was very intimidated because that was my first time realizing that I don't know. Hmm. Until then, I was You were the guy. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, was I my my freshman year at Lincoln. They back then. I don't know if, if bands still do that. They used to have you. If you felt like you weren't in your rightful place, you could challenge. Yeah. So, what, what I did my freshman year, you know, because of freshmen, they got first, first chair to like maybe in the and I was in the A band, but it was like maybe eight trumpets or nine trumpets. So when you're a freshman, you got and you, the parts, you know, first. First part, second part, third part, fourth. You automatically start at the fourth part when you're freshman. I just looked, I said, like, "Oh no, this ain't gonna work." Not done that. <laughs> so, I after I was there for about three weeks, I, I you know, I get a chance to hear everybody and get to know everybody. So I'm, I'm kind of seeing where do I think I fit in. So I, f- I felt like I belonged in second chair. That's I, I knew I couldn't beat the guy in first chair, but the guy in second chair to me. And so what the teacher back then this the teacher I had, he was quite a politician. Mm-hmm. With the, the in other words, he wanted the older people to be happy, mm-hmm. the seniors. He wanted to keep them happy. So what he did, and he thought it was gonna stop me, and I think about it now, I was like, Wow, Lonnie, you were so cocky <laughs> Because what he did, he made me challenge up to this guy. Oh like okay.
1: pick off every guy? Every guy. Or girl. Every yeah.
0: time, or girl, I, and so every time I had to play it again, I had to. And if this person would have beat me, I'd have stopped there. He was trying to keep me from getting to that second chair, but I don't know. God was with me that day because, I yeah I, yeah I was nervous. <laughs> if you're gonna ask me, I, yes, I was very scared because I'm up in front of the whole. But by the time I got past, okay, I'm a freshman, then the sophomores. By the time I got to the juniors, now everybody's starting to like me, and they, like, they're rooting that, for the you. underdog, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I grew up in, and I'll tell you, tell, we'll talk about the baseball thing in a minute too, but like I said, the inner city, like people talk about the closest thing that I think people have seen on television was Showtime at the Apollo where you get mm. booed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that. Oh, Lincoln. Showtime of Lincoln Prep. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Lincoln, if you didn't come correct, they I mean, you could be – we could be having an assembly, and they would boo you. I mean, the, te- and the principal would have to come ahead, and then as soon as the principal get out, oh, get off the stage. <laughs> anyway, so by the time I got to the juniors – the rest of the class is dogging them out. There's, oh man, Lonnie's gonna get you, man. Look at this. Look at this. You letting this freshman beat you? <laughs> so, anyway. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, it was, so I that had that to be is, a
2: defining moment in your life as well. It was.
0: It That was before, yeah. So that's, so again, I thought I knew something because mm. this was the environment I was around. So I did that as a, a freshman. I got so this is this, my man. sophomore year. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm the man, I'm hmm. the man. I thought, I got with Clyde and him and her. I was, without a doubt, at the bottom of the totem pole, without a doubt. Hmm. And Clyde's a trumpet player too, and he could hit all them real high notes, and and I I wanted to be him. I totally wanted to be him. And at 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 sixteen, I couldn't I couldn't hit. I mean. I was lucky to be the second trumpet player up under Clyde. That was my education, Mm. being with that band.
2: What an incredible experience. Yeah. And the insight from your parents to say, this is his passion. Let's let him follow that instead of school.
0: I agree. I agree. I'm very fortunate. My parents, wow. Mm. I am so fortunate. And I I get misty thinking about it, you know. Mm. They were great. My parents, unbelievable. So neat.
1: So after Clyde, or or in with Clyde, like what happened? Like what 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 happened after that? Okay. I'm fascinated, well, man. I don't know any well, of this Okay.
0: Stuff. <laughs> well, this will give you. Okay, this is. I grew up playing in in dive bars in 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 the inner city. What what I guess they would call the Chitlin Circuit. I mean, it would be pimps and prostitutes outside a lot of these places, and and drug dealers and and. The reason I was able to get with the band is because I looked, you know, back then it's hard for you to all the pictures, but I actually had a big afro. Come on, <laughs> bring it back, Lonnie. And I, you know, and I was starting to grow facial hair, so you looked older than you were. I looked older than I was, and so they were able to get me in. Nobody questioned when we go to because we were playing in Wichita and and uh, Topeka, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Rock Island, Illinois. I remember so it's mainly here in the Midwest at first. And then after we got good enough the band because Clyde was re putting the band together. And so we playing in this little black Chitlin circuit, and it's this this booking agent that used to book us in maybe about five different bands. But we were one of the top bands he was booking. And so Clyde told him that we wanna get out to la and so this booking agent started gradually booking us different places that got so i went to colorado and and seattle washington and oh god i can't even think of all the little cities but all in all these cities basically it's the same kind of place you know it's it's like (laughs) these black clubs that that uh, we're open to like two and three in the morning, and I was a kid, but nobody knew I was a kid. This is <laughs> you know? the Afro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the Afro, and I, I, my mannerisms. I'm, you know, I was cocky, and I, I thought I was cool. You know, I look, look. I think of it now. I'm like, God, you were such a goofy.
2: <laughs> so, how did you get to these places? Did you have a van or a bus or?
0: Great question. That's that's an adventure. Private jet? Oh, there you go. We had, Clyde had a Lincoln Continental. Uh, uh, and what with what we used to call those kissing doors, you know, the front door yeah. handle and the back door handle meet in the middle. And all seven of us. No way. All seven of us. Piled into that thing? All seven of us. I hope the listeners are hearing me. Because we're talking about seven-hour trips. Ugh. uh Nine hour trips. Wow. We talking, I what, once Oh God! One trip we took was about fifteen hours, with a U haul, with all your stuff, with problem. all the, with stuff, all, the, yeah. all, with the equipment. all of our yeah, all of our clothes and our equipment. Yeah, the PA system, the amplifiers, instruments, and and all of that's in the trunk of the car and in the, the U haul. The U-Haul, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like
2: trailer that you pull behind the car. Yeah, trailer. Yes, okay. just
0: that's. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word trailer. The trailer that we were pulling behind the car, and that was my introduction to show business, and I loved it. <laughs> I, know, I mean, really, I think of some of the things that if I had a if if I only had a brain, you know, I would have quit. I would have said no way. And and most of the people that started along that time, believe me, I've. They're not still doing what I do. They they're too smart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Even whatever. my brother. I, I I think the only thing I never grew up. I'm I'm quick to say it I tried, and I'm jumping, I guess, maybe we'll get I know you're trying oh, to do something go like there, chrono- man. Do it chrono chronological order. <laughs> but <laughs> I found out later, uh, by trying to be an adult, but in other words, getting a job and not planning on quitting it. I've got a little odd jobs here and there growing, you know, because I, I got married and we had children. So, you know, I did what I had to do, but I knew I would quit as soon as I started getting yeah. the gigs. I knew yeah. I would after, after After we went through a divorce, I had a chance to try to put my family back together mm-hmm. about a year later. And so I'm back, and I'm, I'm back here in Kansas City. I had moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, I, and anyway, I'm back here in Kansas City now, and then, um, the gig started like it always does. It's only this time after they started mm-hmm. fading. Instead of me calling a booking agent or calling somebody and traveling like I did when I, that I think helped break up the marriage because I was gone so much, mm-hmm. you know. So we grew apart. But this time I said, Lonnie, time for you to grow up. Mm-hmm. So. I woke up one morning, put on a suit and tie, and just decided, well, it's time for me to semi-retire, and I'm I'm gonna get me a, a job. And so, obviously, I didn't have a lot of uh, skills, but I had sold. I I'd worked at Hall's department store. I'd worked at Hallmark Cards. I I'd, I'd worked at this brass boots sh- shoe store years ago, so I knew how to sell. And so, I decided this time I need to. Get a real job where I can sell something. So I went to Aristocrat Motors. Nice. Yeah. And decided. Well, I start selling sell Mercedes. Yeah. And they hired me. <laughs> that was my first sale. They were smart. To sell man. Them. <laughs> and they. And anyway, no, the, the
1: the GM in that meeting said, "No, no, no, don't let him off the lot, bro. Like he's got to work here." <laughs> I don't know
0: what happened, but they they gave me a shot, and I I ended up being okay. I mean, I made okay living, and now. I'm living a grown man's life I got benefits and mm. all that kind of stuff you know health care and all the things that come with a grown man's job you know <laughs> and t- t- I come home in the evening like leave it to beaver's dad you know, ready for I, dinner yeah yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> only only difference selling cars you're there like twelve hours a day right mm. so when I get in, basically kids are getting ready to go Not to bed. bed yeah, yeah. anyway. So, I did this after Aristocrat I I went to the Accurate Place and then this guy that, that knew me from Aristocrat told me that that I would do better at the Honda because the economy was changing. People mm-hmm. weren't spending as much on buying. This is roughly cash. this in the this is in the nineties. Okay, okay. No, no, what am I talking about? <laughs> oh, no, this is the, the like two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay. okay. The, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Some, yeah. I'm I'm tripping. Okay. So, so it was. So I was doing that, and the economy was changing. So he talked me into coming over to uh, the Honda place. So I was out in Independence, Honda, and, and I was doing I was doing the dance. I was doing my thing, but now this is like we tried. And mm. it just didn't work. So by now, I'm in my own apartment and the kids are with me. Sometimes they're with her, sometimes and then and, and uh one day I realized that I'm looking and this. I mean really, yeah. I'm looking in the mirror and Putting on a suit and tie at like eight in the morning, and I'll get to later on. The, I hate the mornings. I'm never up early in the. But that back I'm then, with you. I, I, I had to be okay. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. You up? I was thinking. I, anyway. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and so we
1: stay up too late watching the stupid office to get I up in, early in the morning. Man,
0: got, what are you doing? I get it. I'm a I'm a <laughs> night person. Me too. So this that well, was you're a show business man like you're i've been doing it since i was 16 right. playing in nightclubs. right so my my clock is totally on the other side of the evening and uh so i'm i'm eight o'clock in the morning i'm getting ready to go because i got to be there at 9 30 the place opens at 10 so i'm i'm putting on my suit and tie and i'm asking who are you what are you doing and I, I looked around. My kids are gone. They're over at their mother's. Because that's the family house. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nothing yeah. against me. That's home. That's home. That's home. Exactly. Their friends are there. That's the house they know that I'm in this apartment. They, you know, they don't know nothing. Anyway. So I'm over there. I'm, I'm getting ready to go, putting on my suit and tie. And I realize... The only reason I did this was to put my family together. My ex-wife, she had already moved on. She had a guy she was dating. Uh, my my kids are over there with figuring it out, happy yeah. and
2: yeah. living life,
0: living life. Yeah. And so I said, "You know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm I'm done." And <laughs> and and so I just went in and quit. And and I like that said, day, this my, like you rolled yeah. in and quit. I walked in and quit that day. That day. What'd you tell him? Now, mind you. Mind you, this is in January. No musicians decide they're gonna. If you anybody, everybody that's out there, if you're listening, you got. If you're a musician, I want you to know some some ways to to think about this, because January is right after everybody has shot their wide, so to speak. Everybody's mm-hmm. Christmas, New Year's Eve, January. The first two or three weeks in January is rough on every nightclub in the mm-hmm. world, not mm-hmm. just Kansas City. From January first through January, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll I'll keeping it real. I'll say all the way up until Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's a rough time for every nightclub.
1: It makes sense. People yeah, are looking at their credit card statement. They're like, Nah, we'll go out, We'll go out for
0: Valentine's. That's Day. it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And tax. I mean, it's 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 a so that's that's the hardest part to to find a gig. So. I didn't you quit at the
2: worst of, possible time. At the worst possible time,
0: I and you know what I had, I had one gig once every two weeks. Cause like I said, I was trying to semi-retire. Mm-hmm. I just did that so I could keep my feet in the pool, so to yeah. speak. You know, yeah. but at this point, it's it was so that in the the manager almost wouldn't let me quit because he liked me. He's like, Lonnie, you got a lot of gigs set up, and I said, no. <laughs> but this isn't me, man. Yeah, and he said, "Well, look, if you change your mind, it's just between me and you. You can stay here, you know." And so, I already knew. Once my, I'm like that. Once I mean, my wife would tell you. Once I commit, that's it. I don't mm. commit to too many things, but once I commit, that's it. It don't hella high water. I'm there. I'm in. That, that's that's way it is. Mm. And so, once I said it. It's, it, was it was done. So yeah. I got out here and started trying to book myself. And and what I did, this was my my cushion. I thought I paid up my apartment for two months. I had no bills really to speak of back then. I because I had go had to go through a, a, a what they call bankruptcy after the divorce. I had because yeah. we had properties and stuff, and we had, anyway. Had to go, I, so I was starting from ground yeah. zero, clean slate. I didn't have a, a lot of bills and stuff, and I don't. I mean, I'm heavier now than I've ever been because Myra cooks so oh god, <laughs> <laughs> God, she's so good. She cooks so heavy. Good. Come on, man. Oh my god, I'm looking at you like, Dude, oh no, no. How shape. do you get? But, how do you get in that shape? No, that shape I was in then is what I'm aspiring to get to now. But what what I was doing, I never cared about eating. I don't. I mean, I eat to stay alive. Pretty much, I don't really, I don't really care about it. So, mm-hmm. bottom, what I'm saying is, a can of tuna, I'm good. So, I, I wasn't worried about that. I and so I paid up my apartment for two months. My car, I bought this old Mercedes, paid cash for it when I was at Aristocrat, you know. And so, no real bills. So I said, worst case scenario, after two months, I go ask for go my back. J-. That's it. Because he left the door open for me. He liked yeah. me, but. Again, I, I, divine intervention because I literally thought that I might be out on the plaza with a paint can on the ground, and I, I had accepted it. I had mm. accepted mm. that. Nope, I'm, I'm playing music. I need to be, and, and, and I don't think it's, it's a, uh, a gutsy thing I did. I was tired of not being happy. I didn't have anything, wow. and I was lucky, again, back to my parents. They always, with all four of us, they never pushed us or led us to do anything that, just for the money or just just because this is what you got to do, even though my mom did that. She didn't want that for us.
2: They wanted you to be happy.
0: They wanted me to do it. They, they didn't care what we did. Just do something that gives you joy. Hmm. I don't care if you're police, if you're uh, a politician, if you if you clean the streets, clean them. Do it good and enjoy it. And so I grew oh. up my whole life going after what gave me joy. From the lady that I married to my job to everything I did, I did because I wanted to do it. I really wanted it. At this point, it's the only point in my life, I was doing something because I wanted to please somebody else or cause I thought this is what society wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And when I, I, I realized it, I said, nah, I'm out. <laughs> and so I, I started again, divine intervention cause I started trying to book myself. I started calling people and they were happy that I wanted to do that. Cause they didn't think I would play without being one of the McFadden brothers, which is a whole different ticket price. and, mm-hmm. and, Everybody had uh, had had cut their budgets, so I what I started doing they they were starting to cut again. The economy was different; they were cutting down to two pieces. So what I started doing is putting all of my my arrangements. That's why this keyboard is over here. It's one of those, it's it's a sequencer. So I I put the bass line down, then I put the drums, wow. then I put the the piano, and I so I put all of my arrangements onto the. Uh, Back then, it it, it wasn't even an iPod. Back then, I would have to put it on this uh, mini disc player. I don't know if anybody oh, yeah. remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, mini disc. <laughs> I, I had a mini disc player that I would carry, and I I'd, I'd hook my. I had to buy me another PA. I bought a. I, I bought this PA from this guy that I used to play with sometimes because back then I'd take a gig. with. I was playing with this guitar player named Andy Masters. I was playing with Dave Stevens' swing band. I was playing with uh, a salsa band called Yoruba Song. I was playing with... Uh, and I was trying to do my own gigs when I could get them. So I was taking anything that came across. Any I'd play with anybody. It Sometimes I'd make... Forty or fifty dollars. Sometimes I'd, I'd make a decent amount, but I was taking any gig I could get, and it started adding up. And before I knew it, You're I mean, it's, it started to snowball without me realizing it. I, uh, I, um, I started. You got a thing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's so
2: great. Can we backtrack for a second? Sure. You, so you were playing with Clyde and this Clyde band from up. sixteen until what age?
0: 17 and a half. I came back and started my own band, Lonnie and okay. the Band, when I was a year later because I missed being with Ronald. Yeah, okay. Me and Ronald had done everything together. It's like when we were playing baseball, Ronald could play all the positions, but in order for me to practice pitching, he would catch for me. Hmm. So we played on the, the baseball team after I got so I could hit hit the ball real good. I, I was a power hitter. Ronald could hit anybody's pitching, maybe from years of of catching for me. Yeah. He was used to seeing the ball dance. And no pitcher in this city that it was I could strike Ronald out. Ronald mm-hmm. would That's always awesome. get on back. He'd always get a hit off everybody. So with that being the case, Ronald was the leadoff man. I was the cleanup man. Mm-hmm. And so when we played music, he played alto saxophone. I played trumpet. We It was like Bird and Dears, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we were always... Partners, Together. always, yeah. always. Yeah. So this this time I left home with Clyde. I think the the last time I left was right before Christmas, and I hadn't seen Ronald or my family. It's the first time I'd been away from home this long. Till about July, wow, good. Is when I quit. Yeah,
1: and you're not Facetiming them from the hotel. There you go. <laughs> like, See, you. There's gotta, no, but yeah, like in the context of that day, like you, you, were, all you got, you were gone. Like you I were was gone.
0: gone. yeah, I was gone. So and and we were not making a lot of money. So for me to make that long distance call on Sunday, I had to talk to everybody—my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad. Hey, hustle, how hustle, you hustle. doing? Yeah, love you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Because the cl- the meters running, and yeah. my parents didn't have a lot of money, and I and I'm putting I'm on a payphone, putting in quarters and stuff. You know, so maybe I got three dollars. Once that three dollars clicks out, I'm out. So. Yeah. so that that was my communication back then with my family. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I know, you know, today's listeners, they don't know nothing about that. <laughs> but I was on a payphone, and that was my my commute. So I was writing. I don't know if people still do that. I was writing letters. I used to write mm-hmm. letters and postcards all the time. I mean, yeah, to my grandmother and, and my parents and and. It, People I went to school with. I didn't have a, a girlfriend, but I had girls that I liked, and I'd write them, write them letters. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm in did... L.A.,
1: I'm in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> right, right. That's what right, was happening. Right.
2: Yeah. When did uh, the birth of McFadden Brothers happen?
0: Well, Lonnie and the band went on from uh, 73 to 83. I got married wow. in 80. No, 72 to 82 that's okay. yes, 70 10 years okay and uh, basically what happened is everybody's growing up you know we started all of us were 16 17 years old we get out of school the first gig we get we go way to Japan you know first real gig. We, we, I mean we had played in little clubs around here again in the black district because it was so segregated mm-hmm. back then we couldn't even play on the plaza are you uh, kidding me see what I mean that's Gosh. it's a whole different time ta- it, it, it was it was it was totally different totally different. And and believe me, I, had, you know, it wasn't the musicians. I had a lot of white friends that were. were one oh. of my best friends was a guy named Pat Morris. He was a trumpet player. I met him at Penn Valley. Uh, again, it's it's, just it's interesting. It's interesting because even though I had dropped out of high school, the the band director heard me play, and he he was get he was pulling strings, getting me a full ride over there to go to school to go to school to be part of that. Yeah, to yeah. be part of the band. Yeah, and so i i I met Pat morsey during that time, and so we got to be friends and Pat even tried to get me booked. He was with the band, and he said, man, you guys he he would hear my band he's you're like, killing man, it. yeah, you're so much better <laughs> he he loved us he because th- we were smaller we Pat morsey's band I think it was it was like tower power it was it was like maybe eleven of them my band it was yeah. seven of us, and we were killing it, and he was like, oh my God. He used to come and listen to us practice. And so when his band they were playing at this place at back then it was called Seville Square, it was on Plaza. And uh they were playing and he could, tried to get us booked there. They would not book Man, us. How sad. And Pat did mm-hmm. he didn't get it. You know, I And this I is the seventies? This was in yes, the seventies. Wow. Back in the seventies. So uh even though going to Japan was glamorous, it was a saving grace for us. We go over there for four months out of the year, and that was the biggest paycheck that we would get. The whole year, yeah. Playing, playing in the little nightclubs here, in the in the inner city. You know, nobody had any money. You know, you, you you're dealing with a whole different economic situation. Yeah.
1: You know. Well, so it, it, we're fortunate. We're sitting in your studio, man, and. like, <laughs> we're we're looking around and like i see the satchel page, Casey Monarch's bobblehead and the rat pack poster and like like dude you live through this really like um, tragic time of our country's history in, in a lot of senses like the fact that this band from Casey playing at 18th and Vine in that neighborhood can't go to 47th and Jefferson but they can go to freaking Japan to play yeah mm. like that's just that's, heartbreaking man yeah it's, it's tough
0: it's, it was different it was different, and and it made a lot of people. I mean, I've even had people interview me, like you guys are doing. They ask me, "Why am I not bitter?" And I'm, ju- I am do not know why. I huh. think I'm, I'm just happy about life. I'm happy about now, hmm. and and I think I think what it did for me is it made me appreciate moments like this and friends like you guys and stuff that I can do now. It's like I don't wow. take anything for granted. I'm wow. pretty thankful. And even Myra's like, yeah, she she'll get on me about a lot of things, but she did no, he's he's really his gratitude is real.
2: And for our viewers who don't know, Myra's your wife. Yeah, Myra, Reverend Reverend, Reverend Myra. Myra. That's right.
1: She can bring it too, man. <laughs> yes, she can, and cook apparently. Yeah. Oh God, that's
0: that's my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she can cook. Yeah. That's awesome. So
2: tell us how tap dancing became part of entertaining for you. It started out with the trumpet and then okay. you and your brother travel and you're in a band together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How does tap dancing come on the scene?
0: Well, I, like I said, I grew up in the inner city right, at Lincoln high school. The only vision I had of a tap dancer was my father. He's the only guy he's as we taught. So I didn't know that most people thought it, and it still goes on. Now I see stuff on the internet that, that we have to deal with. It's like most people thought that if you're a tap dancer, you're a sissy. Yes, for uh, girls. Uh. You can't be a dancer and be masculine. You can't be a man and da- so I didn't know that. I had no idea. I mean my dad was one of the most masculine people still to me on this planet. And he was a tap dancer. And his friends that were tap none of them, you know anyway. So by the time I got to Lincoln, different people started teasing me about it and I wanted the girls to like me, so <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> Completely like, stopped. What? Tap dancer. No. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I really did that. I, I remember a friend of mine was talking one time, telling people, say, Yeah, Lonnie, I did did you tell tell so and so about how you and Ronald were tap dance do, were doing that tap dance? and everybody's laughing. I said, You're yeah, right, tap dance. <laughs> we don't do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? You know And I totally Totally Denied walked away all. from it. Yeah, uh, I did. I So we had been playing, taking piano lessons from the time we were five. We had been taking, I mean, he, my father must have started teaching us tap dancing when I was about three or four because, I, like I said, by the time I was seven, I did my first gig. So by the time I was getting ready to go to Lincoln, was it like maybe 12 years old, you go to Lincoln Junior, Junior High School, I quit playing the piano and I quit tap dancing. Trump, it made me cool because mm-hmm. it was James Brown, cool in the game, yeah, you yeah. know, all those mans were popular in the inner city. So, so that, that, that gave, that was part of my identity and, and it made me cool in the neighborhood now. So I said all that to let you know that, and, and again, I think if there's, there's a theme to everything I do is, it would be that I just want to get the gig. Mm-hmm. I want to, I'm going to do what it takes to get the gig. With that being the case, we were in Japan. We were in Japan. My band, what made us go over good here in the inner city clubs was we had our own spin on the music. We would play a song by Cooling Game, but we had our own, and people liked it. Sure, you know, yeah. In America, that's what it's about. You having your, your own voice, your own yeah. identity, your own flair. So that's what set us apart in the inner city and at the clubs we were playing at. that That was a strength. Over there, because... They couldn't understand English, but they, they, they could mimic the music. records. Huh. So they'd be out there, Saturday the Night Fever Night. They can't even speak English, but they, but they can sing the, the words ways. to Saturday Night Fever and mm-hmm. to the song. So you got we to deliver it just like that. Just like yeah, that. Yeah, We didn't. We were playing it our own way. And so we would, we, the part that, and so people were getting thrown. They'd be on the dance floor like. And so we were starting to bomb. And, mm-hmm. and so one day... Ronald said we were, we were trying to figure it out because we were starting to water the songs down and nobody in the band was liking it, none of us. And so one day we are at practice and I was trying to figure out how to do this one song and then Ronald said, what if we did, the, it's a part of this tap dance my father showed us called The Tacit. Because by then we started doing choreography and stuff like that, You get being very visual because that could relate. We want. Mm. We were trying to figure anything that would make us relate. They were used to looking at the shylights on TV, used to looking at the stylistics on TV, the dramatics on TV. So when we started doing these dance moves, it they made can them relate. Yeah, and so that's awesome. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we started in Japan. We started doing choreography, and Ronald mentioned, said, so "What if we just put this this tacit in in there?" And we, even though we hadn't, hadn't tap dance. Since we were like 11 and 12, we done it so much. Like riding you know, a bike. That's it. Yeah. We knew how to do that. I mean, we the, the, the routines we knew, we knew them. And so, now mind you, this is the uh, 70s. So we got on platform shoes and all this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So there wasn't no tap shoes, and we couldn't even fit shoes in Japan. So even if we wanted to buy tap shoes over there, we couldn't. We, I, if you wear a size 10 and a half, you are back – maybe a it's G- different now because I, yeah. Yeah, I see younger Japanese guys that are bigger than me, a lot of them. But back then, it was like old-school Japan. Everybody – you see a guy that was 5'10", he was tall. Huh. Your six foot was almost out of the question. It was very rare. And so so me wearing a size ten and a half, like they start laughing. I walk into a shoe store. They just (laughs) 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 got nah nah nah. nah. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, No. Be good, too be good, too big, you know. And so anyway, so we're in platform shoes. We put the mics on the floor and they loved it. We went from being a band that the the they don't know. If they're gonna keep us the whole four months to being like, bam, sign them up, let's go. Yeah, yeah. the people loved us, so we became the band with the tap dancers, and mm. and then that again, that so uh, you asked about the ta- how they get that's how we started tap dancing again,
2: and then uh, that set you apart from other bands, I'm sure when you came back to the that's states.
0: It. That's it mm. again. That added that added to what we could do here in Kansas City, and so. Uh, while that so, was going on, Ronald started really getting good at tap dancing. He st- I was the leader of the band. I just, again, I'm just doing what whatever's gonna make our band better. That's all I was doing. Ronald had more spare time than me and more of a free mind, and he started going talking to my dad's old friends and started uh, looking up different tap dancers online at what i was excuse online you're right i wish <laughs> at the library wow. he'd go to the library and see these old clips of different tap dancers and this one friend of my father's he hadn't danced in probably 30 years and ronald my father said look man you know just just get him a bottle of wine and go over there and talk to him see if he'll teach you something and this guy he wouldn't he just wouldn't do it. And then after he started getting a little juiced up and Ronald kept talking to him, <laughs> he said, Yeah, man, we'll try he said, I remember Jimmy and he started. then he started remembering, Hey Jane, remember what we do in Detroit and we start he started doing it. and Ronald's trying to to learn this stuff. And so Ronald started hanging with this old dude all the time. You know, learning it. Awesome. And so
2: just picking up steps.
0: Yeah, learning. Yeah, yeah. Picking it up as he goes along and he's hmm. studying stuff at the library and so, Ronald, got good. So, when when the band broke up, Ronald is the reason we were able to start the McFadden Brothers because he had got his tap dancing uh-huh. chops up to a level where he could dance. I, I couldn't do anything but the same routines I did when I was seven, eight years old. Yeah. I yeah. could do that. But ad lib and just dancing, oh, no, I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't. I All the stuff you guys see, me, oh, that's because I had to go back and shit. So, now... The bands broke up. I got me a job selling shoes out on the plaza, and and I by now I'm married. I got two kids, uh, and so every day after I'd get through uh, with my job out on the plaza, I used to go down because Ronald was still staying with my mom and dad. My dad had built not it wasn't a studio like this, <laughs> but yeah. he had he had built this this part of the basement where we had this wood floor work for us to practice practice tap dancing. And so I'd go over there and Ronald would show me a new technique and I'd work on it till about 11 o'clock at night and then come home and do it again. And so I learned how to tap dance. And so we started putting this stuff together. And then the first gig we did, Olita Adams hired us to be a dancer. She wanted some tap dancers. And this booking agent remembered us from when I had Lonnie in the band and it was, timing was great. It was great because all he wanted was me and Ron. He didn't want the band. Yeah. And I, I thought that was going to be a deal breaker. When I, when he called me, I said, uh, the band's broke. He said, oh, my God, that's Good. great. Perfect. 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 That's what yeah. you do, man. <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted, you and <laughs> And anyway, and that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the McFadden brothers. And, um, uh, Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and I'm going to back up even one more because on that theme of doing what it takes to keep the gig, mm. the only reason I sing is because when I was with Clyde, I just wanted to play the trumpet. That's the only mm. thing I, that I wanted to do. One day, Clyde was, you know, I knew I would, would have to sing background, but I could hear harmony. It's no problem. Mm. But one day he came to practice. He said, Lonnie, this is your song. I said, no, nah, I'm not singing. He said, you're not singing? I said, no, man, I'm I'm, I'm not going to do it. He said, well, if you want to be in the band. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, am in, man. Oh, yeah. I can it's, sing. Yeah. It's, I was so shy. I know it's probably hard to imagine now. I was so shy and so afraid singing. What I used to do, or it, it's this song. I forget the name of the, the, the group, but it's this song goes, I'm an ever rolling wheel. Ba-doom. Without a destination real. Yeah. Uh,
3: uh,
0: got me going in circles. That's first song I ever... I would be on stage with the microphone and standing like this, holding my trumpet. Uh-huh. I'm an ever- <laughs> so So, so I no one could really see
3: you. You couldn't?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, and I was... Because I was trying to look cool. And so I, I'd drape my hand. Because, I'm an ever... Ruling, and... and but the fact of the matter was, I was scared to death, uh-huh. and that's what made me start singing. So by the time I started my band, I was already trying to. I I was terrible, I'm sure. I, <laughs> a matter of fact, only reason that I'm not ashamed trying to sing now is because people told me they like it. Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to keep the gig. So if you all like it. I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. doing. It.
1: But man, I think it. I think it applies to so much. I'm sitting here like with this deep connection about running our business. It's like I'll do whatever it takes to keep the client. I'll do. Uh, you, oh, you want us to help you do this? You want us to make a video? You want that's us to it. make a graphic? Like, uh, we'll sure. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. Yeah, man. Like it just it connects deep with me. So I appreciate that's that's it. You sharing that.
0: That's 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 mm. who I am. That's who you have to be, I think, if you're a small business and you're trying to get to the next step. I remember one of the reasons that Ronald books the McFadden brothers is because he's got standards. (laughs) I mean, really. Lonnie, you're like,
2: we'll do anything you want.
0: Hey, no, it's not part of my vocabulary. It's like I remember I booked us on one thing and did – and Ronald's like, did you tell him we don't play dance music? I said, no. He said, well, did you tell him we don't do? I said, you know what? You start booking us because otherwise, if they ask me, it's a yes. It's a yes every time. And so I just started I was like booking me.
1: Brooks's <laughs> like, no, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think we well, could probably figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have no standards. I'll do it if if. If it's a pay, if it's a check attached to it, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. If it's music related, that's why. Yeah. That's what I said when I when I quit selling cars. I was playing with a salsa band. I was playing with a swing band. I was mm-hmm. playing with this solo guitar player, uh, and that's that's why I learned a lot of the songs that I know now. Well, I'm sure you're better for it. Yeah, yeah. I actually, people actually say they like the way I sing. Some people like the way I play. Some people like the way I dance. And all of that's because I just didn't want to lose the gig. Mm-hmm. Everything I do, is I don't want to lose it. So now, after years and years of doing it, it's not too bad. <laughs> so awesome. I
2: can't imagine there are people in this city who don't know who you are. However, if there are, can you tell them what does your entertainment career look like today? Okay. What do you do?
1: Whatever every it takes week. to keep the gig, <laughs> pretty much. That's, that's that's
0: that's always the bottom line. <laughs> Maybe it's the top line. I don't know. That's for both. <laughs> but every week I play a minimum of four times. Every week I perform, and this I'm I've been fortunate enough. Like like at the Phoenix, for instance, I've I've been there almost fourteen years, and that's just consistently. I mean, I played there sporadically before that, but Man. almost every single Friday for close to Fourteen years. That's where you can find me. I'm at. Okay, so every other week I play at Chaz on the Plaza out at the Raphael. Every Thursday, every other Thursday, every Friday I'm at the Phoenix. Every Saturday I'm at Black Dolphin. That's what I was telling you guys about. That's that's really it. It's a cool place and. I used to be at Sullivan's on Sundays, but now I'm here in Liberty, which is oh. cool. Yeah, because I'm close that's at, to the home. Theaters, right? at the theater, right? The theater at yeah. B- B&B's, yeah. at uh, B&B, mm-hmm. B&B Theater. They have a, a jazz club called oh, come Johnny's on. Jazz. Oh, it's really cool. It really is, and that's where I'm at a, every Sunday now. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm. I stay, I stay busy.
2: And they can see you. What sing tap?
0: You can yeah play
2: the trumpet. Yeah. All, all of it. I, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brooke, you're on it. <laughs> yeah. Again, you should go into booking, bro. I've done. <laughs> that's it. You're so right. That's that's what I do. If you come and see me, like I said earlier, you might hear something by Frank Sinatra. You might hear something by Marvin Gaye, uh, Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, um, I'm and I do at least one at uh, once a night. I'll do a tap dance. Uh, it's not like the days of me and Ronald doing the McFadden Brothers, where it was mostly dance. I mean, we we started off back in '85. We the first full time gig we ever had was at Worlds of Fun, and we we were doing six shows a day, six days a week. Oh my gosh, yeah. six
1: shows a day?
0: Yeah, yeah, every day. Unbelievable. Six, and I loved it. I loved every second. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't even do it now. I, there's no way could I do six shows a day. Well, I, it, a it
1: leads now. and we, man, we you've. Overextended your uh, hospitality and grace with with your time, but a uh-huh. um, couple things before we wrap. Like you're not 18 with a fro anymore. No, like no. But but I'm telling you, man, you go and we haven't seen you perform a ton, but enough times where you leave there and you're like, dude, I'm sweating watching him. <laughs> and, I mean, you 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 perform for three four hours at a time, and a performance isn't like you sit behind a piano, sitting in a chair, right? Uh-huh. And and, and for those who haven't seen you just to kind of give them the the taste is like, it's an emotional, soulful, deep,
2: almost a tank. spiritual. Experience. It is. No,
1: it, it really, it absolutely is a spiritual experience to watch you play. Thank you. Um,
2: How do you, how do you get high for that?
1: You know what I mean? Like you got, you got a lot of energy. You're a contagious guy, big personality, but like,
2: where does it come from? How
0: do you get there, man? Again, it's, it's the journey is same reason. I'm not bitter. I think that, I'm so thankful that I can do it because, like I said, I didn't know when I quit selling cars if I was going to be able to make a living. So for me to be on stage, it's like I'm consciously aware of how fortunate I am. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where the smile comes from and (laughs) everything because I'm on stage, I'm thinking, wow, my whole life, all I wanted to do was play music, and that's what I'm doing. It's, so it's really good. cool.
1: <laughs> so good. Wow. It's so good.
2: I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so neat to see someone be so passionate about something and get to get to live it.
0: Yeah. Really neat. I I like I said it was a time I took it for granted cuz that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. But after stepping away and then coming back and and being able to actually make a living to do it. I, I'm i so thankful. I am so grateful. I feel so blessed. Dude. I do.
1: Amazing. All right, got to wrap up. We, you've uh, given us so much of your time. So we, we close every interview, every show, with five pretty straightforward questions. Okay? okay. So gut reaction, first instinct, no right or wrong answers. What was the last book you read? I see one sitting on your shelf right there, man.
0: I, yeah, well, <laughs> Which I'm I can tell you by. the one I'm I'm starting to read. I I can't even cuz again, I I don't get a chance to read it. I got about 5 books out there that are on my to-read list. And this is the one I'm reading now, Grit by Angela Duckworth. That's the one I'm in the process of reading now, but I'm usually I usually gravitate toward books like this, something that'll help me to keep my mind I got to yeah, mm. keep my head in the game. Yeah, I got to keep my mm. head in the game. Sure.
2: All right. Question two, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid?
0: I'm probably doing it. Really? (laughs) I I mean it because I think that that. uh, Yeah, I'm doing it. I take chances every time I play. I don't I don't do what's safe. You
2: faced the fear.
0: I'm doing it. Hmm. I'm really doing it. This is what I. I would do if I wasn't afraid. It's awesome, man. That's such it's a funny so, thing. I love
1: that. Um, what's one thing that if people knew you did that they think you're weird?
0: Oh, my God. Or odd or goofy. Oh, my God. I as, uh, You'd have to – Myra could give you a whole laundry list. <laughs> so I'm sure. I, it might be weird to somebody to somebody that I get up every day and come down here in the basement. and I get up every day, brush my teeth, do – I mean it's like clockwork Myra could probably could could probably tell you exactly what I'm getting ready to say. I get up every day, brush my teeth, wash my face do make up the bed because she's always up earlier than me. Uh-huh. I make up the bed and come straight to the basement and and practice and do my emails uh that is probably what not normal to a lot of people yeah. well <laughs> uh, I don't know I got a lot of Things that I think are weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real quick side story. Before we started, you said today, we rolled in at noon, um, you said you've already practiced the trumpet for 90 minutes and you and practiced, practiced tap dancing for 30 minutes. It's yeah. two hours yeah. in a day of a guy who, frankly, most would look at and be like, he doesn't need to practice. Dude's got it. Like, yeah, I've, th- I've there's that. There's something to this just consistent, daily show up and do the work.
0: Yeah, I, I again, I think that my parents, I think that's the reason they let me quit school when I was younger. They saw that I'm serious. I, I mean, I wasn't out there trying to get high and chase girls. I was at, in my hotel room practicing every day. Cause, like I told you, I was the low man on. Right, I didn't like right. that. I wasn't used to that, mm-hmm. and so I was in the hotel room practicing every day. And I, and again, so, that's I still do it. That. Yeah, that's
2: great. All right, what is your favorite place on earth?
0: Las Vegas. It is my at- the land
1: of the entertainer, right? Yeah. I, okay.
0: uh, although I gotta admit that Jamaica runs a close second. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Myra and I went over to Jamaica, I had a ball. Oh, God, I, the people, the whole way the place felt, and the and the, I mean the climate. Oh, it was great.
1: <laughs> I love it. All right, man. Last question, a little bit of a heavy one. When it's all said and done, what do you want people to be? What do you want to be remembered for?
0: wow that is a that that is a heavy one um it's usually Brooke's question she asks it better than I do <laughs> wow okay um that that uh whatever he loved he loved all the way what I guess that's it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, you can just feel feel the depth there, man. I love yeah. it. Okay, on a lighter note, so we're not all crying through the rest of this <laughs> interview. Um where can people follow along, man? Like where can they find out about the w- shows?
0: W w dot Lonnie McFadden dot com. L O N N I E M C F A D D E N dot com. And that's <laughs>
2: You can do radio voice.
1: We need some help with some voiceovers for commercials for our clients. Bro, you in? I still do. I do that,
0: too. I, like I said, whatever, with the phone rings and there's a check attached. I, I'm in. I, I, you all have heard me and didn't even know it was me. The, the huh. voice for the, the the on Kansas City, uh, when you look up, I don't know if it's Kansas City Live or whatever it is that has, this the tourists are Kansas, visit KC, whatever, yeah. and they talk about, the Kansas City Jazz—that's my voice. Nice. When they talk about the barbecue, that's, that's my voice? voice. That's nice. me talking about the. Now that you know it's me, next time you hear you hear ah the succulent taste, <laughs> <laughs> the
1: smooth sound. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even pretend to do it.
0: Um, hey, it, it, it was an honor, man. Oh man, it's a pleasure. I'm. Thank you. I'm. I'm humbled that that you guys asked me.
1: Can I put you on the spot real quick? Yeah, I just did. Would you send us out with a with a trumpet? song or something? Just a few notes? Something, man. Like, I think our people... I don't know. Maybe that doesn't work with our setup, but...
0: I don't know. Um... That's the uh, home beginning home. to Western blues. <laughs> so good.
1: <laughs> oh, we love it, man. We'll get out, LonnieMcFadden.com. And, um, yeah. man, it was a pleasure.
2: Thank Thanks you. so Thank much, you. Lonnie. Thank
0: you both so much.